So, John, if you could be any animal in the world, which animal would you be? Hmm. Well, I'm going to throw that back at you. What animal do you think I would be? Hey. Um. You're not going to like this. The first thing that comes to my head is an orangutan. <laughs> Go on. Well, now get in your head what, what it might be like to turn into an orangutan over the course of, say, a week. Okay, well, not good. I don't, I don't really relish turning into an orangutan over any period of time, frankly. Well, you're halfway there. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. Hello. And this week, my friend Ollie has come on. Hello. Ollie, why have you picked Black Swan? And welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I picked Black Swan because I think the film is nuts. <laughs> and there needs to be a sequel because it's nuts. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be an interesting film to do a sequel to. And I'm really happy with my idea of the sequel. Okay, well, we'll get to that. Hold your horses, Ollie. Oh, sorry, I'm getting too excited. <laughs> I'm just ready to go. <laughs> So what about it do you think is nuts? Come on. Well, well, I mean, I, you've seen it. So. I, I fully agree. Yeah. It is, it is well, I think, bonkers, the whole I thing. I think, so I love Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. Now, when you see the poster, Natalie Portman, she's a nice woman. You see her, you think, oh, a film about a ballerina. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to bring my daughter Beatrice. I don't have a daughter, but if I did have a daughter and it was about a ballerina film, I'd think her name would be Beatrice. So you think, <laughs> I'll bring my daughter Beatrice. You know, it looks nice. Mm-hmm. And you're watching it you're like, huh? <laughs> what? Oh, oh. You know, also, when I'm watching a film, I imagine myself as a character in the film mm-hmm. and I'm the one that talks sense mm. <laughs> yeah so I would be in the film and be like mm, is this this important <laughs> <laughs> thank you yes <laughs> wow you know her whole life revolves around just, ballet doesn't it do you, not just that but also her mum was like oh, you mm. know you need to calm down <laughs> like a coffee or go for McDonald's <laughs> you know just calm down so she needed a friend yeah, I agree, definitely. That's interesting that you said that Yeah, if somebody was to see this film blind, it doesn't happen very often these days because obviously you see trailers and there's a lot of the yeah. internet is what it is. And I mean, I remember when I saw this film in the cinema, I knew exactly what I was getting into. I'd love to imagine if you did see this film, like completely with no context for what Darren Aronofsky does, for no context for what the film was about. Just, as you say, yeah. it's Natalie Portman in a film about ballet. Imagine that reaction, it would be insane. It came out in a time where we're getting more and more trailers, but it was still... coming up to eight years ago and things have changed a lot over those years so it was fully possible that people may just not have known anything about it and then you just get this shock and people like i'm never coming to cinema again come with me me. no more films for you you know and uh so i think that's why i thought it was a bit i would i would definitely fear for little beatrice's mental well-being after sitting through this film (laughs) not a film for children watch like the nice Disney films for <laughs> a month uh, to sort of uh, <laughs> de-stress them for. And she would never be a ballerina. She's no. going to be an no. accountant. Yeah, <laughs> this film definitely does not make ballet look like an no. aspirational uh, career choice. An accountant for so, you. Yeah. So, yeah. So, which other Aronofsky films have you seen then? So, I've seen um, The Fountain. Mm-hmm. I've seen Part of Pi. Okay. Um, I've blanked the name. 
Uh, Requiem for Dream? Yes, that's the first one I saw. And I remember going to see that film. So it was my first year of uni and I went with a friend of mine. It was a Friday night and we were going to see uh, Requiem for a Dream. And then we were going to go out afterwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've not seen it. Yeah, I'm laughing you know, because I know exactly what that would have done to you. You know what? After seeing that, I'm drinking kale juice. <laughs> I'm not touching anything. Do you want a paracetamol? No! No, you'll get addicted! You know, you're just like, whoa! And I'll end up, I'll end up in prison or an arm chopped off. You know, you're just... It's a horrifying film, yeah. Wow. So... Um... Oh, I can't wait to watch this. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's next great. week's episode. Yeah. It sounds just, right up my street. It just... You're watching it, and you know, and you know Jennifer Connelly. Mm. Like she's a great actress, but generally she's in the misery films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that should have been, and Jared Leto also. He's in the weird films, but the Wayne brothers in it. Mm. So you think, oh, okay, there's gonna be comedy. Nope, <laughs> nope. Decidedly not prison. <laughs> and then I watched The Fountain, and I think that is one of the most beautiful films. I think. Darren Aronofsky. See, you've got to either say Darren Aronofsky <laughs> or Daz. You yeah. can't just say Darren. Darren yeah. sounds <laughs> like the guy you meet down the pub. Yeah. You know, it's like Daz or a Wren. You know, I think he'd be a Wren. Yeah. And he's yeah. artsy. Uh, so it's Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say Dasky, because Ar- Aronofsky is hard to say. It's Dasky, kind of... it just... Oh, okay, we'll say Dasky. I like, I like Dazaraza. Dazaraza? Okay, we're going to call him Dazaraza yep. for the rest of the... I'm just thinking of him as like a Cockney wide boy. Dazaraza. <laughs> 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 When I watched it, so I had a, a film day, so I watched Sunset Boulevard first. Cool. Then I watched The Fountain, mm. and then I watched There Will Be Blood. Wow. So it was a, a very light-hearted day. <laughs> How do you feel um, at the end of that? I was a mess. <laughs> so basically, Sunset Boulevard loved it. Mm. The Fountain was just really emotional, mm. and then There Will Be Blood was really bleak. Yes. And so <laughs> just basically, I went from the drama to the sadness, to there's no point in living. And I went to work the next day. So that was wonderful. Now, have you seen any Darren Aronofsky, Daza Raza films before, Harry? Uh, no, I've not. This, okay, is, this um, is your first one. Yes, yeah, my first one. So, I've seen Black Swan before. I saw it, I don't know, probably introduced by my mum or something. Another like classic in the chapel choice. Yeah, just sit the kids in front of the fire. And yeah. Put on a nice, bleak, horrifying, psychological horror film. Uh-huh. She probably thought, oh, what a lovely Natalie Portman, she's a nice woman. Let's all watch it together. Oh, no, no. His, his mother is a monster. Like, she made him watch Dom Hemingway, which is this incredibly violent, yeah, foul know. Oh, you know, you know Dom Hemingway? Sunshine. As a child as well. You were a child when you watched these films, yeah? Yeah, as, as, as a child when I watched most of these films. So, you've been very interested in, in all the, the weird things in my life and the weird things that I do that yes. we're not going to say on air. I'm fascinated. <laughs> You're just wondering where all this comes from? It's because my mother has a very weird... Well, it's not really necessarily her film choices and stuff she, she doesn't know what she's choosing for example oh. Sunshine she chose Sunshine thinking oh very lovely watching a film called Sunshine that'd be good won't so it's it? like you say, yes, my father's the same <laughs> I think it's exactly the same it's just like oh a nice film about ballet that'd be good won't it? Yeah. Nice, mm-hmm. nice, nice fun film Great, I, yeah. I feel your pain Harry but what did you make of it then Harry I mean then and now like, what's The Black it? Swan well it's scary it's, uh, it's painful to watch at times mm. but it's supposed to be yes and uh, I still got a lot more out of it this time rather than watching it as a young boy. Okay. As a wee lad. <laughs> as a wee lad back in the day. So 2010, if you watched it when it came out, so that was like eight years ago, you'd have been maybe 14. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. If, you, if you watched it the year it came out, so yeah. Probably a bit yeah. young to appreciate it. You wouldn't have been able to see it in the cinema. I, I doubt I saw it in the cinema. Yeah. 
I um, did, and it was. I really appreciate the fact God, that I saw it in the cinema. So because intense. It, it, yeah, it is intense because I remember it being incredibly loud. The score was so loud in the cinema. You don't really notice when you watch it on DVD now, but it was a real visceral experience. I find you do because I find it's one of those films where it's got bits that are very quiet. Yes. And people are just talking like this, and then all of a sudden the music comes in and it's super loud, yeah. and you just got to constantly have your finger on the volume. Yeah. <laughs> Or upset your neighbours. I was the same. Oh, I was on edge the whole time. Oh, yeah. Because it was the noises. And also with ballet. So I, I like dance programmes. I think they're fantastic. And uh, I have a thing for the ballet. I think it's a, the fact that people can do it. But it's quite a visceral dance form. Because mm. people are dancing on their toes. Oh, yeah. But something that looks so pleasant, all the work that goes into it. So I mm. found that really interesting in terms of yeah, just same. seeing the nature of it. Like how much work she must have put in to be that and you have to be perfect and how Darren used the, the sounds of her turning on the floor. Sorry, who? Um, Dazaraza. Sorry, <laughs> Dazaraza. I wish you won't know who we're talking about. Um, just her turning on the floor, her wrapping her feet or mm. like when she would get cuts, you're like, oh, you know, it was really, really effective because I felt at times I couldn't, I couldn't watch it, but I couldn't not watch it at the same time. Mm. So, yeah. One thing it does very well is it depicts the kind of the physical toll that it takes to be at the top of your profession in any kind of athletic pursuit, whether it be a sports or a, in this case, ballet. Because mm. as you say, she's putting herself through so much. She's so tiny. She's so thin. She's just living on fruits. You see in the first scene yeah. that she doesn't eat any cake. She just eats the, the cantaloupe. It's weird that her mum got her that cake. Yes. Because like, it's, it's I feel like her, her mum was the sort of person who would not be giving her cake and sort of forcing her to just eat fruit and to be as, as, as slight as she was. But then again, I think it's clear the mum had problems too. True. And so... <laughs> very much so. Well, just, to, that just, just a very quick... Thing. <laughs> Just to tri- quickly backtrack, just for those who may not have seen the film, just do a very quick plot summary. So, Nasty Portman plays Nina, who is a dancer at the New York Ballet Company. And it's the new season is announced and they're putting on a production of Swan Lake and she dreams of becoming the principal dancer. The previous principal is ageing out of the bracket of being able to perform anymore. She's played by Winona Ryder, so she's kind of on the way down as Natalie is on the way up. Um, it's kind of an All About Eve kind of scenario. Nasty Portman's character Nina is very precise. She's a perfectionist. She dedicates her life to the craft of ballet, to the exclusion of everything else. Like the entire film is centered around her apartment and the ballet studio. But the director, played by Vincent Castle, of the production wants her to embrace the dark side because Swan Lake involves playing both the white swan, who is very perfect and pristine, and the black swan, who is more villainous and more kind of lustful. I, th- I think that was his interpretation of Swan Lake. Absolutely, yes. So she wanted that duology. So he really pushes her to let go in a way that she's really not comfortable with because she's a very neurotic, very repressed person. And so as the film goes on, she works really hard to kind of be the perfect ballet dancer and it takes a huge toll on her, both physically and psychologically. It's a very surreal film. She starts to exhibit physical signs such as feathers growing out of her back, scratches, her nails would bleed constantly, etc. And she starts to believe that one of the other da- one of the new dancers on the troupe, played by Mila Kunis, is attempting to kind of usurp her and so then that adds a lot of paranoia to it. It's very surreal, it's very intense. There's not a huge amount of plot there, it's more just like an experience. But anyway, and long story short, she thinks she's killed Mila Kunis, but she hasn't because she's uh, hallucinating a lot. There's a lot of what's real and what isn't in this film. Uh, But the film ends with her doing her perfect dance where she literally becomes the swan, the black swan, but then she finds that she has accidentally stabbed herself in the stomach. Whether that's real or not is unclear, but the film ends on an ambiguous note where she may or may not have actually died after giving this perfect performance. Oh, I, I, believe, I believe that was real at the end. I believe that was other characters suddenly seeing that she's covered in blood and she's yeah. dying there. Mm. That, that was the thing that was definitely real in some way. 
Because that's the only time that anybody else other than Mila Kunis actually responded to anything that she may or may not have been seeing. True. Mm -hmm. I I was going to say, I do think it was real, but I think there's an argument to say, was it real? Mm -hmm. I think you could legitimately argue it wasn't. Because even hearing the recap again, because I refreshed my memory of the film today, and it so much of it, you don't know what was real. Because actually there's a lot of stuff that's not explained. Oh, yeah. So the scratches on the back... Like, the feathers on the back, we, we, it's never explained what's happened mm. there. We see her bleeding, but we don't know what was real and what was not. Mm. But I do think... I, yeah. I'm saying all of that just to say there may be some people who don't think it's real, yeah. and I think that's a legitimate thought process. And I think that's true of all... Certainly all the Darren Aronofsky yeah. films that I've seen, is that they do have a lot of symbolism, and they are deliberately quite ambiguous, so it does mm. leave you... It, it's very much open to interpretation. Because in terms of the scratches, I mean, the feathers are inexplicable, but then only she sees the feathers... The mother does mention several times there's hints that she has a history of neurotic scratching yeah. where she was would scratch herself yeah. raw. So it might just be that that's just her stress and is exhibiting it in itself. Yeah. This time through, I actually noticed a lot of times where she was scratching her back. Like there'd be a lot yeah. of scenes that come where the camera's behind her head and you see her walking, and it just starts with her arm just briefly behind her back and then it moves as the shot opens. Mm-hmm. There was one detail which I missed every other time I've seen this that I noticed this time through. There's one point sort of about a third of the way in where she's sitting against a wall she's got an open back top on there's one point where she like leans forward and moves to the side I'm not sure but you see that there's a blood stain on the wall yeah. oh wow okay. that looks like it's been there for ages but okay. like it's it's definitely got a hint of red to it and oh, it's wow. exactly where those scratches on her back were and I love little details like that mm. yeah and I think what I like about his films is that you can watch them multiple times and you'll see something new and just the idea of her character so I'm not a ballet dancer but I know in that world everything is so precise you have to be careful about what you eat you're asked to be perfect and Mm. they do repetitive stuff and everything has to be precise your feet your hands body placement and so if someone's already got neurological issues what that would do to them but how it can go unnoticed as well because mm. throughout she displays odd behaviour mm. what I would class as odd behaviour but then is it odd behaviour to other ballet dancers mm. and also the Vincent Castle character Tomas who is the dance director is quite abusive and very manipulative in that sense he definitely encourages a lot of her neuroses he, he undermines her he criticises her he sexually abuses her you know he, yeah. he, he, we, we, especially what, it's interesting watching it now with all, all the conversations going on now about harassment in the workplace especially towards women it really reflects that with this, the scene where he like forces himself on her and kisses her and then when she bites and fights back he's like good use that and it's like for him it seems like the performance is everything and what he will he will put her through and any of the other dancers through anything as long as he gets the performance he wants and obviously that just contributes so much to her mental state and her instability I thought it'd be good to talk about the role. Round us a little. Yeah. I don't want there to be any boundaries between us. No, me neither. Good. So, you got a boyfriend? No. And you had many in the past? A few, but no one serious. And you enjoy making love? Excuse me? Oh, come on. Sex. Do you enjoy it? (laughs) Well, we need to be able to talk about this. I got a little homework assignment for you. Go home, 
and touch yourself. Live a little. But and then we also see in the character of um, Winona Ryder in this film, we see the sense of how, as you say, it's not the first time and how he kind of uses these women and when of no use to them anymore, he casts them aside and they're kind of left adrift. So. That was good casting. Oh, I was so happy when not only was it Winona, but it was crazy Winona. It was crazy <laughs> Winona. It was like, whoa, <laughs> like... This was Winona being the most Winona she could be. Like. And once again, this is when Olu the friend would pop in uh, and just be like, are you sure you want to be a ballet dancer? Like, I can sort you out with a job, you know, in finance. Because look at Crazy Winona. Yeah. Is that what you want? Ten years from now, you're going to be wearing a like, messed up wig yeah, and you're going to be... Ooh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, sometimes, I always say this, like, if I was in the film instead of uh, Natalie Portman the film would be five minutes <laughs> because I'd see Crazy Winona I'd be like you know what I'm not going to do this yeah, I'm I think I'm going to become a teaching assistant and yeah. then it'd be end credits yeah. <laughs> Beth I'm so sorry to hear you're leaving the company What'd you do to get this role? He always said you were such a frigid little girl. What did you do to make him change his mind? Did you suck his cock? Not all of us have to. <gasps> you fucking whore. You're a fucking little whore. Whoa, what's going on here? I always love a bit of Winona, and she was really giving it this way. I mean, like, she had the crooked wig. She had the, <laughs> she had the cot, like the, the black. She looked disheveled. Yeah, she had that the black eyeliner right <laughs> around her eyes. She was the glass of Chardonnay constantly <laughs> swilling. Yeah. It was crazy, Winona. It was... Uh, I think I went to see. <laughs> so I went to the cinema to watch this by myself. So. Uh, so I grew up quite prudish mm -hmm. so like in the house we weren't allowed to see kissing or anything mm -hmm. like that we were forced to close mm -hmm. our eyes and um, my friend Mark was like are you sure you want to see this and me being defiant I was like you know I'm going to go watch it I was like whoa <laughs> like, but you know I was sat there like very expressive and when she, Crazy Winona went on I was, and I talked to myself when I'm watching a film I'm like Crazy Winona <laughs> and she's like the wig crooked like as he said I was like wow like <laughs> this is why you're fired yeah. like you'll look a mess like come on yeah, yeah crazy Winona definitely needed like a friend she needed yeah. she needed you to take her to one side and be like it's, not, mm, it's okay girl exactly and that's where I would pop in come on let's straighten the wig <laughs> <laughs> anyway being silly again so. hey I need to talk to you I need to talk to you no don't you do that don't you dismiss me like that my little princess, please, hold it together. I'm coming by later. I have something for you. It's a token of my appreciation. Right. You make the most of it, Nina. Don't worry. We've talked, obviously, the character, but Natalie Portman's performance in this, I have to... She was fantastic. Stunning. Really, really good. She, she was, was lost in that role completely. Mm -hmm. She made up for... The Star Wars films. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this was her, uh, yeah, def definitely her redemption. But yeah, I, I sometimes find Natalie Portman a little bit hard to get on with as an actress. Not in this. I think she's perfect in this because I think she's a very intense actress. She's quite 
she's always capital letters acting. Yeah. She's not someone who's very naturalistic. So sometimes no. when I see her in other films, I find her a little bit jarring because she's just doing a little bit too much. But this is perfect because Darren Aronofsky films are on the edge of being too They're much. perfect for it's, her. It's a perfect for her. And I wish she'd been... I have seen Mother. I know you didn't see it. I wish she'd been in Mother instead of Jennifer Lawrence because I think she would have been more suited to that role because she plays that. I think she is, is perfect muse. What do you think about uh, Mila Kunis in this? I think she was good. I'm not the biggest fan of her. Again, in films, I don't really rate her terribly high as an actress. But I think she was very well cast in she this. Was, I think she was. She, she doesn't really mirror Natalie Portman in a way, but she contrasted, mm. I would say. Because yes. she's so different. And the character she played was so different. She was making ballet look like it's easy. Yeah. And fun. I think she was a good choice in terms of physically. Mm. They were similar height, same colour hair. I, I'm just not sure. I just feel like there's a reason she's not really mentioned when people talk about this film. Mm. Everyone talked about Natalie Portman. And yes, she's the main star. But watching it, I thought she was fine. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was good. So it wasn't that she's not talented. Mm-hmm. I just think there could have been more done with her character mm-hmm. because essentially she's the antagonist. She is in a way, yeah. An unaware antagonist. Mm-hmm. Well, and that was one thing I was going to ask actually. It's, again, it's kind of ambiguous. Did you read into it that she was in, in, on some level trying to under, undermine Nina or was it all Nina's paranoia and she was essentially a, a nice, benign person? So I think from the little I know of that world... If, if it was you, if oh. I was Mila, yeah. now I'm going to be nice, but if someone's going to offer me the lead role, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. So I think there was nothing abnormal. Mm-hmm. I think there was a little bit, yeah. but I think it was mostly in Natalie's head. Yeah. But then the little things that Mila did do, I think it was just natural competitiveness. Yeah. So I don't think she was completely innocent. I think she would have jumped at that chance to, to get that role. Of course. However, I don't think it was as much as Nina was sure. in her head making out. What how did you, how did you interpret it? I was just struggling to work out what was real and what wasn't. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it was all centred around her character, largely. Yeah. What? Everything, well, I think everything we see is from Natalie Portman's character, Nina's yeah. perspective, so it does mm-hmm. skew everything. So you don't, you don't get any moments of Lily, the Mila Kunis character, alone do it, or interacting with anyone else. You only see her when Nina sees it. I think, I think Natalie Portman is in every frame of this movie. There's nothing you see that she isn't seeing, so mm. it is all very much skewed. Mm. Yeah, I was intrigued by Mila Kunis in this. I mm-hmm. really liked her. I thought that without her, the film would definitely be missing something. Mm. She was the only person who wasn't serious, mm. which I quite liked. I agree, Harry. I think she was the not a comic relief, but there was a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Well, she was everything Nina wasn't. It was that. That's why she's like the black swan to Nina's white swan. Yeah. Because she, whereas Nina is incredibly precise, incredibly neurotic, and in, incredibly process driven, she's very loose. She's very natural. She's naturally gifted. She doesn't have to work as hard. And you see, she she's not as neurotic as her body. She there's a scene where she eats a burger. She parties. You know, she has a life yeah. outside of ballet. Whereas Nina's entire life is ballet. So. I think what was also interesting in that was I think they talked about it that technically. Nina was better because ballet is such a precision dance, mm. yet the black swan is supposed to be the embodiment of lust, desire, hunger, like all these different things. Mm. So it's not supposed to be everything precision. She just does what she wants. Mm-hmm. I watch the way she moves. Imprecise, but effortless. She's not faking it. Gorgeous. 
how would you compare her then to one of the other antagonists in the film, which is the mother? What what did you make of that character? I feel like the mother represented everything that held Nina back. Mm. Like the person that we followed wasn't the real Nina. Yeah. You know, like the ballerinas in the the music box ballerinas. Yes. It's almost like the mum had Nina in a music box. Oh. It's like you're. This is who you're going to be, and this is who I'm going to make you. Mm-hmm. Rather than my daughter, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. I feel like I went on a real journey with the mum because it, sometimes she comes across as very supportive, but then they, were, they did a very good job of occasionally just throwing in these things where you realise that there's something not right, and it's a very codependent relationship. Like the scene with the cake when she turns so quickly. As soon as Nina says she can't eat the cake. The mother kind of like goes, well, it's trash, and like throws in the bin, and then there's obviously there's a lot of stuff where she is obviously has no privacy and really uh, infantilizes her. Well, I kind of feel like uh, the mother was what Winona Ryder's character was, but just like ten years on, mm-hmm. just like she's accepted that she's a failed ballerina yeah. and she's now living her life through her daughter. Oh, total, total stage successful mother. ballerina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of really interesting doubling that happens in this film in terms of people. You'll see flashes of special effects where characters' faces will change. Again, it will yeah. reflect Nina's state. And one that I found really interesting was the sex scene between Mila Kunis and uh, Natalie Portman, Nina and Lily. Yeah. There's a scene where Lily is going down on on Nina, and it's a very intense scene. And then she kind of says, sweet girl, and she has the voice. I don't know if they use Barbara Hershey, the actress's voiceover, yeah. or just she just did a good impression of it. But it's, it was the, it was she sounded like the mum. And then there's a flash, and you see... It's not clear, it's, it's like a split second, it's not clear if, she, if Nina's seeing her own face in reflected in Lily or her mum's. It's this weird psychosexual thing happening. There. I didn't watch this scene. Right, okay. So uh, when it comes so you, to... So you didn't watch it? I didn't, I was in the cinema. But so you... I, so I'll explain this. I am a bit of a prude. <laughs> so generally, like, intense sex scenes. So even when I watched The Wire and the like, sex scene would come, I'd be like, oh, goodness. So I could see someone get stabbed and be like, do-do-do. But, like, as soon as sex scene, so I'll be in the cinema, I'm like, well, oh, 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 goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a swearer either, so I literally said, oh, my gosh, um, in the cinema. And uh, <laughs> so I, all this, I'm sure that's what happened. I don't know. Oh, okay. I just heard the ooh, ah, and then I sort of would, oh, oh, it's not finished. So um, this is where I'll stay silent and let Harry, uh, you guys, enjoy a lovely conversation. (laughs) While on the subject, can we talk about her bedroom? Go on. Because Natalie Portman's character, I guess, is supposed to be like in her mid to late 20s. Yeah. Like 27. I think she's, because she's reaching that point where if she doesn't get this one, the sense is that she's going to be too old in the future. This is her Mm. moment. So she's probably 27, 28 or something. And she is... As I say, the mother character played by Barbara Hershey really infantilizes her and gives her no privacy. She lives in a very what seems to be a very small apartment with her mother, who they just come in and out of each other's rooms and there's no personal space. But her bedroom is the bedroom of a four year old girl. <laughs> it's like bright pink, the bright pink duvet, the, the all the teddy bears on the windowsill. That was actually that was there's a scene before the sex scene. There's a scene where um, which you may also have found hard to watch in which Nina masturbates. Yeah. She touches herself and. Boy, does, does she go to town. Um, yeah. Because of the way the bedroom was set out and the way it was sh- it was shot, I was watching her writhing around the bed. I was like, not in front of the bunny. <laughs> and then, oh no, mum's watching. Like, yes. Just got worse and worse. Like, how, how much do you think that she was pretending to be asleep at that point? Oh yeah. Just like, I've seen too much. Her eyes were clamped shut. <laughs> it, it, it was an interesting scene in terms of just what is going on here. And I think it, like, we don't really know what was real. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I love about this film, especially like when the feathers were coming out. Mm. Like actually, yeah, it's the bedroom of a four-year-old, but it's from her perspective. Mm. 
like it, because even though the rest of the park was quite sparse, no carpet, just a mirror for her to dance. Mm-hmm. Was that the bedroom of a four-year-old? Did she ever have the bedroom of a four-year-old? Like we don't know what her past was like. Mm-hmm. With so much we don't know, mm-hmm. so. I would also throw that out there, like how much of that was real as well. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. maybe me thinking too deeply. No, no, I think it's good too. This is the kind of film that you can you can really pick and pick out. Yeah. So it's which is what, what I really like about it. What did you actually make of the the more almost sci-fi body horror elements when she literally is becoming a swan? Like her legs become duck legs and her neck expands and all those kind of things. Some of those, for example, like her toes becoming webbed. webbed yeah, that was sort of like body horror sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bit where her neck got really long when Mila Kunis was strangling her, I laughed at. Oh, me too. Yeah. It just looks weird. Weird, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't look painful or horrible because all you see of her is her neck. Yeah. It's just like, so she's now strangling a swan? What's going on Were here? you waiting for her to get a beak? I was, yeah. I was so waiting for the beak to pop out. <laughs> but the scene where she dances the black swan mm-hmm. and she comes out and she does this amazing dance where her arms are just getting more and more covered in feathers and then at the end it's revealed she's got these massive black wings... I thought that, that was my favourite scene of the film. It was visually oh, beautiful. beautiful. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And at that point, suddenly you could feel exactly what the audience were feeling. Because I imagine this is a film that was made for people who don't know about ballet. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so we can't see that the ballet in this film is very good or it's very bad or mm. we don't know. That wasn't even the worst bit. There was a scene where she cuts her finger, like the oh, skin. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. She pulls it back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, that, I think that yeah. for me, that was that one was of the worst bits. Gross. Yeah, so. Just, oh, I can even remember that it was the sound. Because mm. we've all done that. Yeah. You know, we've all. Like, made a little mistake. Like, yeah, yeah, the skin just, and it's gone yeah. a bit. And Ugh. you just, like, oh, and. Listeners, by the way, all three of us are shuddering and like holding our fingers well, yeah. really tightly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, so I think that was the worst bit. Same, same. I could hardly watch. Yeah. I had to look away. I had to look away at parts. Of that. that was the worst bit. By the time it got to, I think I there was so much sensory overload that mm. I was not jumping. Jumping's the wrong word, but I was just wincing at anything because the way that Darren had used Sorry, sound, Dazzarazza had used <laughs> sound throughout. Mm the film like I was just like on edge yeah so by the time the fight came, and also let's see if any listeners remember this there was a series called Manimal okay, back in the that. 80s <laughs> and uh, this guy would be able to turn into any animal so he used to turn into a panther so when I saw her neck going I thought oh this is like cheap 80s TV show <laughs> uh, so I laughed at that bit but the rest of it was yeah. really well done yeah no those bits with the bits with the, the legs and the neck they're the bits where it slipped into like cat for me mm. which isn't a bad thing I love camp and if you watch Mother Mother for me is very very camp Mother is like all of the film is those scenes basically so sometimes I do find Aronofsky can be very Dazaraza can be very camp in what he does it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad film it's just mm. that he always pushes it to such an extreme that it becomes humorous at times like unintentionally so I think. yeah well, rough start huh must have been pretty humiliating get out of my room I'm just I'm worried about the next act. I'm just not sure you're feeling up to it. Stop. Please stop. How about I dance the black swan for you? Leave me alone! It's my turn. My turn. My turn. 
my turn. <laughs> so Nasty Portman was always the one. She was always the, the one to play this role. She was the first person. There was no one no else question, who would have no done question. it. Kira Knightley. She was too the young. Look alike. Oh. The lookalike. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you've set me off now. Oh mm. dear. No, <laughs> because all that would have happened was she would have been like, "I'm a ballerina," and then pouted, <laughs> and that would have been ninety minutes of "I'm a ballerina" and pouted. <laughs> like, no, no, thank you. No. So it was, uh, I agree. Right, it was always nicely <laughs> Um However, some of the other roles were offered, to, and I think Mila Kunis was one of the only people who really was seriously considered for Lily. So the Vincent Castle character, the director, before Vincent Castle was cast, also considered Antonio Banderas. Ooh, he would be yeah. good. Uh, the only thing I want to say about him is I don't see him physically. I imagine because I took the director to be a dancer himself, even though he's yeah. old. I don't think. Banderas has a dancer's body. He's a bit more like stocky, like so. I'm not sure. No, he's. Sl- I thought he was quite slender. I mm-hmm. think, but also that not lecherous is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. I think he would have taken it in an interesting direction, mm-hmm. because actually, there's a sense of seduction mm-hmm. that comes from it. And Antonio would really wrap that up. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you think. Okay, I can see like yeah. getting seduced by him. Yeah, like so. I think there would have been a, a, an element of seduction that would have been added by Antonio Ooh. I think and the other person in the running was uh, actually Hugh Jackman no no I'm out I'm out don't think, not, right for, not right for that part too, not at all not even too like, slightly too likable I think exactly too likeable, yeah, yeah. Too likeable. Perhaps, yeah I think you know he's either going to be like claws come out because he's Wolverine mm-hmm. or like singing and dancing like yeah. jazz hands it's too much yeah and also he's not a small guy mm-hmm. so I think there would have been a physical I think someone being too physically menacing mm. I think would have taken away from it True, yeah. I think I personally think and I think Vincent Castle was perfectly cast because he was very sleasy he was, he was very French he like, very sleazy yeah. French really. so yeah and the only other bit of casting that changed was initially the role of the mother was supposed to be Meryl Streep but then she was unavailable and Barbara Hershey stepped in so. you know actually I'm not for that no, I I think she's too too famous. Yeah, I don't think that Meryl Streep would have been good in that. Was she as famous then? Oh, Meryl, yeah, Meryl was it. No, 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 Meryl's always been. What I'm saying is, like, I think I could have seen it working, mm. but the mother needs to be a background. Yeah, and I yeah. think so. I think Meryl is fantastic, but I don't think no matter what Meryl does, she can never Meryl. You know, yeah. me and Meryl yeah. uh, could have ever been a background. Oh no, person. yeah, she's always the star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it, Natalie needed to be the main focus absolutely I agree yeah. so I think all the casting was correct but there were just some interesting little might have been yeah. so yeah. drinking games Harry do you have any? drinking games indeed yes mm-hmm. i got a few cool oh gosh do you have any? Uh, no you go first your trusty lads I'm like sorry I showed show more confidence then than I, than I meant to so I'd say drink every time that, that Natalie Portman's character is physically touched physically touched by another character that's one theme that I noticed throughout this film is that she is touched by literally every main character in this film. Mm-hmm. They touch her at some point in some mm-hmm. way. And I mean, there's only really one scene where she sort of touches herself and has control. Mm-hmm. And it's when, it's when she's masturbating and then mm-hmm. suddenly she turns around and her mum's there and she doesn't get yeah. that control. Mm-hmm. It really showed, like when I watch the film, so you, so you watch it as the friend who's telling them what to do. Yeah. When I watch films like this, I put myself in that character mm-hmm. and I felt really, sort of uh, closed in and like there was just no freedom in the film at all because yeah. there wasn't she wasn't free mm-hmm. she, she was free when she was stabbing someone but <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah okay That's, I think this is a hard one mm. it's the grim bits 
So I had drink for every scary Winona smash cut. Winona's not in this very much, but every time she's on screen, it's like, especially in the, the party scene, it's like smash cuts to her face. It's like, whoa, scary Winona, whoa, scary Winona. Like she, she's, it's just like quick cut to her face and obviously she looks terrifying with the wig mm. and the eyes and everything. And when she starts stabbing herself in the face, just, oh God, just yeah. waterfall. Like, oh. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> hard, that was hard going, that was scary. Yeah. Listen, I think of drinking James just drink one Winona, like, just drink, drink, to, to drink, drink to the point that you're, you were like crazy Winona. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, wherever she was, she was in a happy place. Yeah. Um, I think it's a. I think this is a film that because there's no like real quotes. Mm. Maybe like drink every time she scratched herself or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but I was thinking it, that because it's not like a comedy. Drinking games are supposed to be quite light hearted. Mm. So it. It's just like, oh, drink when she's miserable. Oh, wait, she's miserable all the time. Yeah. <laughs> drink when she's happy. Oh, never. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't know. But yeah, maybe when she scratched herself. Or or drink like Winona. Just drink when Winona's. Yeah. Drink for Winona. Yeah. <laughs> drink, drink just drink for, for Winona. Cheers exactly. for Winona. Drink for Winona. Any more, Harry? Uh, yeah, drink whenever she sees herself in somebody else. Oh, like when there's a when when the doubling effect happens mm. when you see her. Oh, okay, that's a good one. I had a similar one. This this is probably <laughs> breaking up <laughs> there, Ollie. So not cheery at all. Like what's oh, like, what? oh yeah, drink every time she Ollie, says. Ollie, Ollie, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The aim of this game is not to be cheerful, it's to get as drunk as possible in also, 90 minutes. if you are with a group of people, we're going to watch Black Swan. Let's do a drinking game. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just how we, it's just how we do. Um, similarly, I had drink every time Natalie Portman stares dreamily into a mirror. Mm, yeah, she was like quite a lot. Mm, yeah, lots of, there's lots of mirrors in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that could get you really, really drunk. Yeah, it could. What about when she's looking in a mirror and she sees herself in a mirror? Do you drink twice? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then when, when, when there's multiple mirrors, you drink for every mirror. Just waterfalls. Yeah. 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 You'd have to pause. Like, <laughs> so you, the film would take ages. Like, I think there's three. I think there's four. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, I also had uh, drink for gross finger stuff. As you just well, if, drink, drink to get to dis- through it. Drink to distract from the gross finger stuff. Drink, drink, drink whenever you look away. Yeah, you be out. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be facing the wall with a with a bottle of wine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, actually. Drink every time you look away. Or yeah. Look away or wince. Yeah, yeah. So you have to try and keep it together, so you know it's coming. You're trying to control your body. That's a that's a good yeah. one. Uh, a very dangerous one. Drink every time you hear the Swan Lake refrain, the the, the musical stage. Yeah. Yeah. It's even her ringtone. Does she never get sick of it? I know. God. There's like literally nothing else in her life. I, listen, we established she's got no. issues. Yeah. So you know, mm-hmm. maybe you know, it's let like, her have this one. Yeah. Maybe actually, <laughs> it's not. Maybe it's not her ringtone. Maybe it's because it's so in her mind that her ringtone's actually like. The well, do you think it's just the regular oh, Nokia yeah. one? Yeah, but she's hearing <laughs> she's it. Hearing. As, yeah. That's as all she hears. Yeah, yeah. I like it. And finally. Drink every time Barbara Hershey, the mother character, dramatically enters or leaves a room. She's always... Like, there's no such thing as knocking. No, 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 no. She just <laughs> walks straight in. But my favourite one is when, when Natalie Portman goes out partying with Lily and then she comes back and so she's doing that drunk thing where she's like, shh, and she's like locking the door. And then you just see over her shoulder that the mother just like appears from this like mist of shadows yeah, and just appears in her face in the room. Oh, oh, so dramatically. So I love it. Funny. Or just every time a door is slammed because there's a lot of slamming of doors yeah. in there. Yeah. When it slams on her hand. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That was rough. That was rough. Yeah. Well, that reminded me of uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Of, there's a theme at the moment mm. but uh, those are all mine any more any more drinking games I have got them cool 
Should we move on to some sequels? Yeah, let's do some sequels. Yeah. I believe you're first this week. Yeah, go for And guest uh, always goes in the middle. middle. That's all oh, really that's that's standard. Have a guest sandwich. So, did, did we agree that we all assume that she dies at the end? What was our conclusion on that? Uh, yeah, I thought she died at the end. You thought she died at the end? Well, you think for it's up mine, to she can't. She can't. <laughs> no, 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 I was going to say same. Well, I, I interpreted it that she did, but for my the purpose of my sequel, I she did not. I think at the time... I interpreted that she did, yeah. but after thinking about the sequel, I'm not sure. Okay. Because we're still not sure how much is real, but yeah. yeah. Now, I think for the real film, she probably did, but for the purposes of this sequel, she did not. Yeah. So, I've done a direct sequel, and it's set sometime after, probably a year after the original film. So, as I say, in this version, Nina does not die at the end. In the original film, of course, she thinks she has a fantasy that she stabs um, Lily through the stomach and thinks she's killed her, and then figures out afterwards that she hasn't, and she's actually stabbed herself. Does the whole second act with a shard of glass in her stomach triumphantly finishes the dance falls to the ground and is bleeding and then all the characters run over to her film ends and the last line is her going I did it it was perfect and then white fades to white so in my version this was not her demise but she was obviously very badly injured by all of this and so obviously she couldn't continue to dance and had to retire from ballet and undergo a year of intense physiotherapy to kind of you know recover from the terrible injuries basically so we pick up at this point, maybe about a year afterwards, she's in the process of recovering. She still lives with her mum, who is now her primary carer, even more so because now she needs a lot more care and attention. So this has really made things even worse in terms of the infantilization. Now her mother is literally just, you know, running her entire life, you know, every detail. And she's also put her on a cocktail of questionably legal mood stabilizing drugs. To, you know, this sounds really cheery. This does get a little, this does get a little dark, I do apologize. Um, sometimes my sequels do. So yes, the mother is basically prescribing her, we don't know where she's getting these drugs from, but a lot of mood stabilising drugs to stop her from having these psychotic episodes that we assume were the problem in the first film. And the idea of this is, I'm thinking this Darren Aronofsky, Dazaraza, is going to direct the sequel, so it's going to have a very similar feeling. And the whole film is going to be inside Nina's head, like the first film. So the fact that she's on mood stabilisers is going to help to give it that similar kind of woozy, surreal quality where everything's a little bit slowed down, nothing's quite normal, not, nothing's quite right. So that's kind of the mood I'm going for. So that's try and imagine that if you can. Mm-hmm. So also the mother has completely forbidden her from ever even talking about ballet anymore. The conversation is off the table because ballet, it's too, it's too triggering for Nina, she believes. She will not address it. It's like, shut it down, shut it down. We don't talk about it anymore. That was a dark chapter in your life, etc. However, we do see early on in the film that Nina still keeps a box, a secret box filled with photos of her glory days at the ballet. And she also has her little uh, music box that she spends a lot of time staring at dreamily and reminiscing about, you know, cause she still loves ballet. Ballet was her life. She still, she still dreams of those days, even though it went horribly wrong, etc. So yeah, one day we see she's leaving her physio class and uh, she's confronted by Thomas, the Vincent Castle character, the French director. And he's like waiting outside for her. He asks her how she's been, etc. And he says, he asks her, you know, do you think you're ready to start dancing again? And she kind of says, oh no, that's not really part of my life anymore. I can't go back to that now. And he says, Nina, you're a legend. <laughs> that one performance where you always danced yourself to death has made you the most famous ballet dancer in the world. Everyone wants to know when you'll come back to the stage. <laughs> the thing that I love is that his accent wasn't that strong. No. <laughs> you weren't prepared, were you? <laughs> Sorry. So, so basically, long story short is, as you would expect, like the fact that a ballet singer literally almost danced herself to death and did this, what we understand to be a perfect performance, and then just almost died, has become a media sensation. So she is, even though she only gave one performance, she is infamous. And so 
the world is waiting for her to, you know, there's a lot of press attention that she's not aware of because she's on this cocktail of drugs and she's very insulated, but she's actually become a real cause celebre. You know, everyone's like, you know, this mysterious woman who did this one legendary performance and almost died, and you know, when is she going to return to ballet, etc. Mm. And so, I'm going to drop the accent now. But he says to her, he says to her like, keep, please keep the accent. <laughs> well, I don't know, I can, I can't sustain it. It's like, he's like, we need you. Ballet attendance, it is low. Our shows, they lose money. With you, we sell out the entire season. So, so the idea is that now it sounds like Antonio Banderas. Yeah, no, I think I went a bit Hispanic there. Yeah. Took a route from Paris right down to Madrid by way of Buenos Aires. Mm. Anyway, so the idea is basically, you know, because ballet is a niche interest, and so the tickets aren't selling, and so he needs to some stunt casting from Nina to revive the company, basically. Mm. So he's really trying to tempt her back, and she's tempted because, as he, as we've established, she misses this world. You know, she does miss that life somewhere deep down. But as she's kind of thinking about it, her mother pulls up to pick her up and like runs up. I, I, probably similar to this in the original film where you, she doesn't see her coming, but she comes running from off camera or something and just grabs Nina and she's like, you stay the hell away from my daughter, to Tomas. And like drags her into the car, like you don't talk to him, that's from the past. Takes her home. See, the mother has become even more controlling than before. So obviously Nina, having had this temptation, can't get out of her head. And Tomas continues to secretly get in touch with her, he keeps following her around, waiting outside the physiotherapy thing, he texts, he calls her, you know, just constantly saying to her, you know, we want you back, come back. He's really like the devil of temptation on her shoulder, essentially. And so she decides to secretly stop taking her medication. This kind of window to another life that she's been walking around like the walking dead for a year, but this kind of opportunity gives her the confidence to maybe rebel a little bit against her mum. So she stops taking the medication. She doesn't tell her mum she stopped, but she, you know, she fakes swallowing the pills, etc. She hides them or throws them up, who knows. And she finds that without the drugs in her mind, her mind is clearing and she's starting to feel a lot more like herself. She has more energy, etc. And she starts secretly practicing again. And she does find that even though she sustained a lot of injuries, her natural abilities do start to come back and she starts to build in confidence. And that makes her start to realize that even though she was seriously injured, the reason she's been nothing for the past year is largely more due to the, all the drugs her mum's got her on. So she starts to really resent this and start to realise that her mother is abusing her. Uh, so she arranges a secret meeting with Tomas, who explains that they're launching the next season of the ballet with a production of The Nutcracker. Now, I've chosen The Nutcracker because I've heard of two ballets in my life, Swan Lake and The Nutcracker. <laughs> so, if you're honest. At least yeah. honest, yeah. Uh, also, it kind of works. Has, have either of you seen The Nutcracker? I have not seen The Nutcracker. No? It's, it's always on at Christmas. I think I'm home done it in a school play once please tell me you played the sugar plum fairy he must have let's say i did i don't know great well if, 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 if anybody from Santa Claus primary school is listening please help and see if you can find out if we did are you sure you want to pull up that thread do you really want to dredge up those memories i want him to <laughs> yeah oh i want to I'm just I, I want to <laughs> okay cool well tune in next week we might have an answer to this but yeah he, so he just like he explains to nina he wants her to play the role of the sugar plum fairy and it's not the lead role in the nutcracker i did a little bit of research but it's the most famous routine in the show she does the one dance at the end of the ballet. So he says, this is perfect for you, Nina, because you don't need to take too much on. You're not the lead, so it's not too much pressure, but it is the starter, and it's a great bit of stunt casting for us. People will come to see, you know, the legendary Nina making a comeback as the Sugar Plum Fairy as this classic, iconic dance. Also, it's the opposite of Swan Lake in the sense that the Sugar Plum Fairy is a totally good, pristine character. She's a fairy. So the dance is all about grace and precision and all of the qualities that Nina naturally possesses so she doesn't need to go to that dark place and mm. you know embrace that darkness or that wildness or that sexuality because that's not what this character is this is a very asexual very precise it should, it's the kind of role she would have been perfect for before the events of Black Swan yeah. the Nutcracker for those who don't know about it including you two 
or myself before Wikipedia this. It's a very simple story. <laughs> Again, thank you for your honesty. Yeah. It's a very simple story about a little girl who's given a Nutcracker doll by a mysterious toy maker at Christmas. Uh, at night, the Nutcracker doll comes to life and it leads a battle of toy soldiers versus mice. I was a soldier. You there were a we soldier. Go. Oh, that's disappointing. Was this a play or a dance? Was it or? a ballet? It was a play. A play, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, it's been a play, it's been a film, it's been a ballet, but it's most known as a ballet. I'd have been like six. Soldier number six. I'm sure you killed a soldier number six then. I'm sure you were the star, really. The I mean, I, I was six years old when yeah. I meant. Best yeah. supporting. Uh, oh, you were six, so I thought yeah. you were the soldier number six. No. Oh, soldier number six. <laughs> That'd imagine? be, oh, You're not God. even number five. Oh. You're soldier number six. <laughs> There's only five soldiers. Understudy soldier number six. Understudy! So anyway, so yeah, basically the story of it is that this Nutcracker doll comes to life and wages war with some mice, apparently. Sure makes sense. The little girl, who's called Clara, saves his life in battle, and so he transforms into a handsome prince at the end of the battle and takes us to the magical land of sweets, which is ruled over by the Sugar Plum Fairy, who does this very famous dance and sends them on their way. And that's basically the plot. Not really a plot-heavy kind of story. Mm-hmm. It's a ballet. It's all about the dances. It's an iconic dance production. It sounds weird. Yeah. So that's the, that's the play, basically. That's the ballet. So she agrees, in theory, to be the Sugar Plum Fairy, and she returns to the studio and finds that since she's been away... Lily, the Mila Kunis character, has now become the principal dancer. And she is, in fact, she's been cast in the lead, so she's playing Clara, the little girl, who is always played by grown women, mostly in these ballet productions. So Lily is outwardly very friendly to Nina and welcomes her back and, you know, says, I'm, I'm, you know, I hope things are okay for you. But obviously there's still a bit of weird tension there. Nina, being quite a paranoid person, isn't quite sure whether she's genuine or not. So it's still that real kind of ambiguity going on. Mm. Just to clarify, how much did uh, did Lily actually experience of Nina? What? We what? don't know. Well, the, I took it that the club night happened, but she didn't go back with her. Yeah, yeah, same. So they had a drink. Mm. Then the next day, Nina freaked out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then a while later, she sort of shouted at her for getting the, the alternate role. Yes, that's it, right? Yeah, they, well, they had that little heart Lily must think that she is mental. Not really, probably... Like, I mean, she is. I mean, ballet dancers, yeah. it's quite an intense thing, so she probably just thought she was an uptight ballet dancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, they do have that little heart-to-heart in the training room that time when they're smoking together and talking. Oh, yeah, true. And, and it seems mm-hmm. like Lily is quite... Even, whether or not it's... It's all interpretation, but Lily seems like quite a nice person because there's a scene... After Nina thinks she's killed Lily in the film... There's a scene where Nina knocks on the door and says, look, I know things have been weird, but that dance was fucking amazing. Mm. Like, and she's incredibly complimentary. So I, I got the sense that, she, well, I mean, it's going to be ambiguous. It's not supposed to say, in this sequel, you're not supposed to know one way or another, really, whether she's... Okay, yeah. But, yeah, as I say, she's openly very welcoming, but Nina is unsure. Anyway, so she accepts the role, doesn't tell her mom. Instead of going to physio, she's now going to the studio and rehearsing all day. But the pressure starts to get to her again as she, she starts rehearsing the role, but she gets very obsessive very quickly. She quickly goes back to old habits. And although Tomas, the director, initially promises it's going to be different, we're going to take it very easy on you, he very quickly reverts to type and starts pushing her very hard to get that precision back because she's really struggling to retain. Even though she's still a great dancer, she's really struggling to get that precision that she used to come so naturally to her. Now, ironically, is very difficult for her. She just it, it's, it's, a, it's a process. And so he's very hard and drills her and gives her a hard time about that. So all the pressure starts to get to her. And once again, she starts exhibiting physical symptoms of the stress. And so this time, rather than the feathers thing, I think she should have, like, her skin starts, like, getting very cracked and dry to the point where it bleeds. So the idea was for me was that because she's just the sugar plum fairy, yeah. it's going to look like sugar paper on her, on her skin. It's that kind of thing. It's going to be really crackly and horrible and unpleasant and nasty. Anyway, so she starts getting all these physical symptoms. And the mother starts to become very suspicious very quickly. 
and she finds out that she's been sneaking away to rehearsals. Sorry, are these real physical symptoms, or are they potentially fake? I think it's probably a bit of both. It's like bad skin is, you know, it could be that she's scratching again, or it could just be that she's, you know, having a flare-up. Or it's un- Again, it's ambiguous. It's ambiguous. Mm-hmm. But anyway, regardless, the mother does find out, because she's behaving strangely, sneaking off, she does become suspicious and finds out that Nina's been sneaking away to rehearsals. And the two get into a massive fight, and in which Nina accuses her of like of doping her and trying to control her life. It gets very, very physical. And then Nina tries to walk out, but the mother runs after her and kind of grabs her. And then Nina shoves her away, and the mother bashes her head against the wall and actually falls down dead. Oh, so wow. Nina has accidentally killed her mother. So Nina's horrified, but she also immediately goes into denial. Because obviously this happened with Lily, where she fantasised that she killed her and then figured out she hadn't. So she now thinks that that's happened again, that the mum's not really dead, it's just a fantasy. So she leaves, she just leaves her mum's body in the apartment, goes to rehearsal for the day. Sean does this, by the way. He does like to go dark. It's been a while, actually. Well, we're talking about black swans. Yeah, right? yeah exactly, yeah. It, wasn't, it was never going to be a comedy for me. But um, <laughs> So she goes to rehearsal that day and she's pushing herself harder than ever. She's really manically intense, to the point that the other girls get very concerned. And then she goes home and the mum's body is still there. Yeah, so she, uh, what she does is she hides it in the apartment. I'm thinking maybe it's like a bit of a psycho vibe. So maybe she like sits up in a chair and puts it in a there. Bit, and like, oh, yeah. oh so no. It's, it's, it's all very... As though she's still alive. As though she's still alive, yeah. Oh dear. So she keeps her mum's death a secret. And I also thought that this would be something that you could do because the film posited this very insular kind of life. And you didn't get the sense that the mum had friends or that Nina had friends outside mm. of the valley. And so it could be this woman could go missing a normal notice. So that's the vibe we're going for here. So she keeps her mum's death a secret, but she's obviously now sliding further and further. Are you okay? No, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying this. Keep okay, going, keep going. No, I, yeah. that's my face, enjoying it. Okay, like, good. what's next? Keep you you looked traumatised. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this has happened before with guests, I've not realised. Um, yeah. So, but So she keeps the mum's de- death a secret, but she's now sliding further and further into insanity with the pressure of the role, the fact that she's got a mum's corpse sitting up in an apartment, you know. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> It's actually a reversal of the first film, like I said, where she's trying to be perfect, but she can't be, whereas in the last one she was too perfect, and that was the problem. In this one, she's trying to maintain this facade of perfection, but there's all this weird, dark stuff happening that's you know, making it very hard for her. And yeah, and as I say, she doesn't even accept the mum is dead, so she's like, it's like, it's like Psycho, where she's coming home, she's talking to the mum, and she hears the mum talking back. So it's almost like before she was perfect, but repressing the yeah. darkness, and now the darkness, the darkness is all out, and she's trying to get it all back Exactly, in. it's a mm-hmm. complete mirror image of the first mm-hmm. film. So yeah, so now she's like talking to the mum's corpse and then she hears the answer wow. back. It's very dark and twisted. Very psycho. Very much like psycho. Uh, so Lily, Mila Kunis, becomes quite suspicious of Nina's growing insanity. And she's she, dead. She's dead. She Sorry. tries to... <laughs> spoilers! Spoilers, Ollie! <laughs> so, <laughs> she tries to reach out to Nina. Maybe they start hanging out a little bit. And maybe, maybe this is the point... Again, it's like in Psycho where Norman Bates befriends the late Janet Lee's character and it's like you get a glimpse of potentially this could be a healing thing if he wasn't already so far gone mm-hmm. so they start hanging out and maybe Nina's crush resurfaces a little bit and maybe there's a little bit of you know sexual tension there but then on the night before the opening performance of the um, Nutcracker of the Nutcracker Lily turns up at Nina's flat unexpectedly big mistake and Nina obviously starts acting very strange it's like you can't come in you can't come in but Lily isn't having any of it and she forces her way in sees the mother's corpse and is obviously horrified screams and in a panic as you predicted, Nina kills Lily. Of course, her on the head or something. Yeah. So then Nina goes to the show, and it's a huge press event. That's a packed house. There's journalists, you know, audiences. You know, I say it's her big comeback. It's her moment. And um, Lily's disappearance, because obviously she was in the lead, has caused a lot of concern. But the show must go on. So her understudy takes the role instead, with Nina going on as the Sugar Plum Fairy. And Nina goes on stage and delivers a perfect, 
perfect dance once again. She is the Sugar Bowl Fairy. It's remarkable. She's just incredible. And then the movie ends with her delivering her triumphant final bow to the crowd. Rapturous standing ovation, flowers. You see her smiling, but the smile is cracked. You know, the skin's cracking around her lips and stuff. It's kind of grotesque. And just as the credits fade in, you just hear the sound of police sirens in the distance. And uh, that's the end of the film. (laughs) (laughs) That was so cheery. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That went to some dark places. That was great. No, that's a (laughs) good... Everyone's getting killed. (laughs) So there we go. um, Yeah, John does that. Um... (laughs) There was a time where he wrote a story that some of it took place in our local pub and he, in fact, took the pub cat, which he is a bit of a feud with in real life. He <laughs> We've took, reconciled. He, We've he, reconciled. He, took, he took the pub cat in his story and he microwaved it. <laughs> Only in the story. That man's got some issues. <laughs> so does, listen, from the first film, can you see Nina doing this stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not far-fetched. It's within character, yeah, but it's... Uh... See, that Lily was full. Even then, I was like, Lily's foolish. Why are you going around that girl's house? <laughs> yeah. You bet they're the best friend again. You're like, get out! No, get out. <laughs> no, no, no. Stay away from her. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? That's great. What was it called again? Oh, oh it was just called The Nutcracker. Or, uh. yeah. I mean, The Nutcracker really exists. Maybe it's like, I don't know. Black nutcracker doesn't work. I don't know. No, I think the nutcracker could work. But just the nutcracker, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're, black swan suit the nutcracker. Right, copyright. Sure, issues. sure, sure. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure whoever owns the rights to the nutcracker might not be thrilled about this. But you know, it doesn't. No. Just, mm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Obviously, cool. we're not thinking a real film's going to be like that. No, no, no I, I don't. I'm working on until this. That, unless, until someone approaches that's us, that you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, would you like to? You did yeah. such detail in yours. Mm. So, I've gone. More light-hearted. Sure, oh, thank good. God. Probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I just need a minute. Sure. Um, so basically, I'm thinking the sequel will be Black Swan: Urban Redemption. Okay, Ooh, I, I like, like it already. already. <laughs> exactly. <Drinks>. You're intrigued. <laughs> now, I want you to imagine Dangerous Minds. Oh, okay. Have you seen Dangerous Minds? Your drinks are meeting you. Oh no. <laughs> Dangerous Minds mm-hmm. meets. Bring it on. Ooh, like it. Like it. And there'll be a bit of Save the Last Dance thrown in there. Love because it. you know what? It was too dark. <laughs> it was, you know, too much misery, too much wow. So it's not gonna be any crazy one owner. Okay. No, oh, she's oh, she's gone. She might show up, you know, just for laughs. Maybe it's like, I've been in rehab, I feel great now. Yeah, yeah, just for <laughs> um, The mum's not going to feature. Okay. Lily will, though. Okay, good. So it's a lot more lighthearted. Think of those films directed by John Apatow. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nina hasn't died. Okay. And she wakes up in hospital a few weeks later. Okay. And uh, basically... You survive, but, well, New York City Ballet, it's a no. Yeah. So <laughs> she uh, has to go to her aunt. Okay. okay. Now, I haven't cast this, but I imagine her aunt will be someone like... How big of a character is this aunt? Is she going to be a main character in the film? Or so she she'll secondary? be there in the background. You know, Do you remember those films? Okay, so we're still like, not casting Meryl then. That's no, the... we're not casting Meryl, no, no. It's a feel-good film. So okay. this is feel-good. Meryl can do um, feel-good. No, but it's Never not. Never speak ill of Marilyn so in front of Harry. This is, so this is a comedy 
feel good moment okay. you know so i want a real contrast so oh, i'm trying to think who i'll think of who the mother could be okay. um the person that comes to mind is cookie line from empire but that Get but that sort that sort of we could be yeah. an adoptive aunt sure yeah. so i'm thinking someone like that someone who's got a bit who's a bit sassy mm-hmm. um and will tell the truth because this girl needs someone who's going to like what is this i think that's solid casting she needs someone like that so but she goes to the inner city this is obviously going to be a bit cheesy Mm -hmm. we're going back to the 90s so bear with me Hmm. and uh so obviously she can't be a ballet dancer so she becomes a teaching assistant in the inner city school uh, and so she's teaching assistant, you know, she's all healed up. Mm-hmm. There'll be one scene where she talks about ballet, but she'll give a longing look, but we ain't going back there. Okay. <laughs> we, we're leaving that alone. We saw what happened there. But the school has a dance team. So it's not cheerleading, it's a dance team. Right. Yeah. And um, they need help because there's going to be a dance competition and they're not very good. And they hear that Nina used to do the ballet. They call it the ballet. The ballet, sure. She used to do the ballet. (laughs) And they think, oh, you know, you can do some things. And obviously, she's got to show that she can do it. So she'll do like a high kick to (laughs) show she's good at it. (laughs) She'll do something impressive or a turn or something. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. Is this giving Natalie Portman an opportunity to be fun? Because she's not often often get a chance to be fun, does she? Yeah, exactly. This is going to be fun. So um, because it's okay to go to the club. You know, don't stab anyone. (laughs) Nobody's getting stabbed, okay? okay? It's going to be lighthearted, so we're just going to shelve some stuff. Because I think it's clear that Nina had some issues. So we're just going to pretend the stabbing, the stabation, helped her. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I think that's serious, but this is a nice, lighthearted film. Mm -hmm. So as part of getting herself some extra money, she's going to help this dance team. And obviously the dance team are terrible. Mm-hmm. And you've got the classic characters. You've got the sassy black girl, the meek white girl. You know, you've got the whole array. I'm getting a of... bit of a pitch perfect yeah, vibe as so well. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you've got the array of people. And you know, they're not a team and all mm-hmm. of that. And, you know, she's like, look, do you want to be the best or anything? And you know, she has that issue because she still wants to be the best. They're mm. like, what can you do? And she jumps into the splits or something, you know, uh, <laughs> to show she can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it <laughs> I love this. I love this. <laughs> so they start training. And Taraji P. Henson's like, I, look, look, <laughs> are you sure you should be going down to dance? Because last time someone got stabbed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, we saw what happened last time. Like, mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I can handle it. I can handle it, you know. So she helps train these girls. And, you know, she becomes very maternal, you know, because the girls have problems. Either the boy doesn't want to be with her or there's one that the mother's not very nice and she could speak from her own experience and how she got out from under her. We're just going to assume the mother's out of the picture. Mm-hmm. We won't go into loads of details about it, but the mother's out of the picture. Anyway, two-thirds of the way through, Lily appears. Lily comes in, and Lily's been looking for her. Mm -hmm. And I want this to be a chance to expand on Lily's character, Mm -hmm. because actually I think there's a real Mm warm-heartedness. And actually there was a... Jealousy's the wrong word, but a real admiration. So I'm going to make it that Nina was more well-known. Sure. 
and that the reason Lily went to New York City Ballet was because of Nina. Right, okay. She so idolised her. She idolised her. And to sort of, whereas she was seeing paranoia, mm-hmm. what it was, was Lily really admired her. Mm-hmm. In terms of relationship, we're going to leave that open-ended. Okay. You know, could something get cracking between them? <laughs> Who knows? We're going to leave that open-ended. We'll leave that as an unanswered question. But she finds her, and obviously Nina's like, whoa, what are you doing here? And there's still that sort of... And then they have a conversation of, I've missed you. You know, Lily was like, the reason I came to New York City Ballet was because I admired you so much. And we find out her performance was worldwide. Like, people went crazy for it. Sure. But then this is where she has her own redemption and finds freedom. So, obviously, there's the rival schools. Mm-hmm. You know, so we get to the dance performance and Lily helps because she's got to, she helps choreograph the dance. Mm. And this is when things get a bit cheesy. There's always the school that wins <laughs> and they, you know, you're rubbish, you know, and there's always like bad attitude and then it's got to be the speech. And this is when Nina deals with her issues. You know, I thought I was rubbish too. And <laughs> I spent my life, you know, so focused on this that I missed Teamwork, you know, because it's got to, you've got to throw in the teamwork, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, she gives a speech, you know, this is about teamwork. This isn't about individuals. Now they have great individuals, but what brings you is the teamwork. And actually, with the things that I've taught you, you know, but there's always a fusion. You know, they're hip hop dancers, but she's <laughs> going to bring some technique, you know. <laughs> a <bit of laughs> classical in there. I get some classical, you know. They always do the mashup. Yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. always do the mashups. So yeah. It starts off, you know, like grimy hip hop, then you know, they get into the formation and they're doing these kicks and mm-hmm. stuff like whoa. And you know, they're on the bleachers. You know, it's not highbrow competition, it's mm-hmm. like done in schools. And Taraji P. Henson's there, like, yeah, girl, you can do it. <laughs> you know, <there's... laughs> so that's the competition. And, you know, obviously, originally she was doing it for extra money, but she really grows to love these girls. And actually, she gets to nurture these girls in a way she was never nurtured. Mm-hmm. And Lily chooses to stay. Mm-hmm. So they stay in the inner city and they end up living together. And uh, obviously, they win the competition. And that's the story. But also, Another line of that is her love of dance. So you see scenes of her, like, when she finds out her performance, because she shut that out, she just chose not to look at anything, and then she reviews how she did, and she starts to think about why she started dance, and then you get scenes of her dancing by herself, and actually she then starts teaching ballet, but she never goes back to... The dark place. (laughs) New York City Ballet, it's actually... Mm -hmm. This is why I love dancing, and oh, so she finds the joy of dance. She finds the joy of dance. Terrible. Um, she finds an actual friend. Mm-hmm. The mum's not. The mum's not there, and also, you know, there's no, there's no death. Yeah. Mm. Uh, nobody's getting killed or stabbed. <laughs> no. I thought this is a bit of a judgment on me. <laughs> wow. You know, no one, no one's going. There's no butchering here. Uh, <laughs> and you know, there's the competition at the end. Cool. So um, yeah. So, and obviously, with Judd Apatow, even though some of his stuff's quite crass, he is quite good at character formation in his stories. Mm-hmm. The first film was so much about Nina, and this one is about there's a world outside of Ballet, there's a world of people, yeah. and so you get to know who Lily really was. Yeah. And yeah, she's a ballet dancer, but she's a lovely girl. So sure. that's my story. I like it. It was mm-hmm. good. Yeah. 
Very contrasting to mine. <laughs> yeah, it's totally, extremely totally. Wow. so. That's, and that's part of the reason I was making noise. It's like, huh? Uh, <laughs> why is she going to the house? So, uh, whereas mine's just yeah. like, it, you know, it sort of contrasts, you know, um, Black Swan was quite grey, mm-hmm. you know, quite grey, and almost like, so it's a stark contrast of like real technicolour, really like colourful, mm. you know, even though you're going into like Urban Redemption because it's about redeeming the school but also mm-hmm. her own redemption in a new place away from yeah. that world yeah so, i can yeah. see that being made and i would love it if it was still directed by darren aronofsky so in spite of everything it would be really surreal and bizarre but, uh, look, yeah. I, I think that's sweet but i think let's go for light-hearted light-hearted okay let's let you know no one's yeah. into a bird uh, <laughs> <laughs> one not anyway no she can have a cameo yeah. i imagine her coming to like the, the final performance but you know she snuck that bottle of wine yeah <laughs> she loved and the wig's still crooked yes so. <laughs> but yeah that's good. my that's my sequel very good oh, i like, I like it. it a lot i can see i can certainly see that being made yeah. <laughs> so much fun on the drums all right i mean you didn't set a high bar on a fun level. No, fair. I, no, I wasn't going for fun. I think yours was brilliant. I Thank actually, you. I that I think that's a film Darren would make. Yes. But after watching Black Swan, like, come on, she needs she needs a TV. Yeah. Something. I think mine is one that Darren Aronofsky would make. Yours is one that people would watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, if we can get into mine, if that's yes, all right. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, sorry, yeah. Mine, I feel, I feel like it's going to be somewhere in the middle of your of your two ideas. Okay. Cool. That might be a good thing in some ways. It might be a bad thing in other ways. Like it might just be boring. Who knows? <laughs> well, we don't know. We'll but, see how much murder there is. Yeah. But it gets off to a start. That might be might be okay. So it starts in a club in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Now this is somewhat inspired by the fact that we both watched Saturday Night Fever recently. True. That was the seventies, you know, that, right? Sure, whatever. Yeah. Which has many dance sequences in discos. It does, yes. So this one's going to start in a very colourful disco uh, with a... Well, here I've put down a digitally altered teenage Winona Ryder. Okay, sure. Because oh. we, like, we always make these films as though they're made in like 2018 now. Yeah. Unless you could think of anybody else who you could recast Winona Ryder as. No, no, there's no, no. There's no one who can replace Winona. Winona no. is, she's Winona. Like, who, who, who could be that's what that's, what that's why I've said to just de-age her. Because is the wig still crooked? That's what I want to know. Different wig. It's an 80s wig. <laughs> a crooked 80s wig. crooked. <laughs> she can be wearing a wig, but it's not crooked right now. Okay. Oh, she, hey, she's in a good place. Is mm. that what we're saying? So she is, she's a teenager, like 18, 19 sure. sort of age. Um, she's in a club and she, we, we start off with a single shot dance sequence. Great. She's dancing on the dance floor. There's other people there, but she's not dancing with anybody. She's dancing completely by herself and she's lost in the music and lost I in the dance. I have ever seen Winona Ryder dance, but I really want to. I know. Can you imagine? Oh, wait, she does dance in Beetlejuice. So. Sure. Yeah, and so she's completely in her own world, having the best time, and she's just come there by herself. Mm-hmm. She's not even with anybody. Yeah. From a balcony above, we see a younger Tomas. Okay, Tomas, the French director, yeah? Yes. Who have not DA'd for this because he's recastable. Sure, yeah. So I thought I'd cast somebody who'd be about the right age, and I've cast Chris Hemsworth. He's a bit bulky for that role, surely. But wait, Did for I... Tomas? Yeah. What? Is he playing a teenager as well? Tomas is my. Like, okay, Chris okay. Hemsworth's my height. <laughs> is he? He's a tiny bit shorter than me. In films, so, maybe. For those In... of you who don't know, I'm six foot six. Jesus. <laughs> We're in fil- in films, maybe. I mean, Tom Cruise is six foot six when he, in films. Tom he? Cruise is not six foot six in any film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. 
we can recast this guy if you want. Okay, sure. But I need a similar looking other person as well. Right, well, someone who looks like to Chris Hemsworth. So somebody who looks what like the person you cast. What about Harry Cavill, the new Superman? Henry Cavill. Yeah. Henry Cavill, yeah. Wait, sorry. You're not letting me cast Chris Hemsworth because he's too tall and because you say he's too bulky. So we're going with Superman. <laughs> no, but he's not. No, but well, but he's man. not like he's not like. Now he bulked up for super. I mean, do you want like weedy Superman? He bulked up for Superman, but he like whereas Chris Hemsworth is naturally larger. Henry isn't as large. Yeah. Not as large as Chris Hemsworth. Why don't you just hire the Rock? Yeah. Okay. okay well, well, well. Uh, let me get a few paragraphs in, and we'll, and we'll see if we can recast. Okay. okay sure. Okay. Continue. So, from a balcony above, Chris Hemsworth, or Tomas, is he's watching her dance. Sure. With a big smile on her face, just like, I found the new person. That's <laughs> sort of sort of look on his face, at least. Um, if she leaves the club at the end of the night, he approaches her and says that he's very impressed by how fluid she was and how just like a part of the dance she is. And he'd like her to come on audition to uh, be part of his uh, new ballet company. Cool. She's a very shy character. She's, she doesn't talk much. Okay. She's very quiet. So she's the classic quiet, shy, nerdy girl who's got secretly loves to dance. And she burns when she dances. Kind of. Yeah. Great. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. So she then goes home and is welcomed by her boyfriend. Okay. So bear in mind, she's been out just by herself to dance and her boyfriend's not there. And it's not like she's going out meeting guys or anything. She just, she's got this hobby that she loves. Yeah. And her boyfriend, now for him I've cast Liam Hemsworth. Oh, I see what we're doing here. The reason is I need these two characters to be quite similar. Okay. You could have Henry Cavill playing dual roles. That's always fun. Like in different wigs. That would, no, that would get too confusing. So question, is this like a serious film? Yes. Let's go with them for now, because they're, they're just quite tall. Mm. And Tomas isn't as tall. That's the only thing. So, true. Well, know, let's, like, Winona's going to be like this. Like, look, like, be like, carry on. So, we'll use them. Yeah, let's but, carry on and see how we go. Also, I need a title for Imagine this thing. Imagine Chris Hemsworth at 20 and Vincent Castle at 40. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> a journey I want to see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and she's she's a bit talkative with him, but she's still like she, she she's very quiet and she doesn't doesn't raise her voice much or anything. But even when she's excited, she'll talk like that. I'm, I'm very excited. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the next morning, she goes to the audition. She walks in and she finds a reception. She gets shown down a corridor to a waiting room where she finds about twenty to thirty other girls who all look exactly the same as her. Mm-hmm. Same height, same weight, everything. And, is it uh, a room full of digital Winona's? <laughs> like being John Malkovich. <laughs> okay, perhaps a bit far, but... Uh... Are you still in the right film? <laughs> being John Malkovich, we, we made with Winona Ryder. Oh my God. Winona, Winona. Anyway, anyway, come on. Sorry. And so she's taken aback a little bit because at this point she felt really special. Oh. Just like, oh my God, he picked me out of everybody in the club. He, he, he picked me and like I'm going to be the one. And then she comes and... She's just one of a bunch. And there's loads of people there. So she has about a half hour wait there where she's just looking at everybody, sort of judging them, just like, where's she here? It's not okay. In her head. And eventually she gets taken into this room, which is a large dance class. And there are three people behind the desk, Thomas being one of them. She gives him a big smile. He gives her like the subtlest of nods, just sort of acknowledge that she's there, essentially. An instructor comes, starts giving her a bit of a lesson on ballet dancing, essentially. They've already worked out she doesn't have a background in ballet dancing, but Tomas She's naturally is, gifted. He's spotted her now. Yeah, yes. Yeah. She finishes that. They all write something down and they say, right, okay, uh, if you could just go and step outside and just, just wait there for a while and we'll invite you back in for an interview once we've gone through all the other girls. And so sometime later she comes in with an interview with Thomas. He's very withdrawn. 
He's not at all like the guy from the night before. So maybe the guy from the night before was a bit of a salesman, whereas now he's been his real self, where he's a bit sort of a bit harsh, in, a little bit intrusive with his questions as well, all of which she answers. Mm-hmm. And, well, that all seemingly goes well. And she's still kind of... She can, she can feel something for him. There's definitely a, a heat between them of some kind. But even so, she goes back home, unloads everything onto, onto Liam Hemsworth, mm-hmm. just tells him everything, explains her day. Next day, she's invited back in and she's actually having lessons, so she passed that first stage. Okay. Oh, um, and she's now having lessons with about 10 other ballerinas, all with Tomas, who is extremely strict and he's horrible and he's demanding, but she still absolutely wants him. So... One of the other ballerinas is played by Mila Kunis. Okay, interesting. And I'm just going to leave this completely open to interpretation to see what it is. So it's not; it can't be the same girl unless there's some kind of weird time travel going on. Maybe there's something. There's, okay. there's something, something weird going on. Is it the on same name? Is she called Lily? Yeah. I didn't actually clock that she was called Lily in the first film. So yeah, I guess maybe or maybe <laughs> some name just not said. I don't know. Do you have an idea of what you want it to be? I've left it open. Okay. Okay. I've, I've left it completely open. Yeah, and Mila Kunis, she's really sort of playing up to Tomas. Like, she's really trying to get his attention. And mm-hmm. so Winona Ryder's getting a bit jealous of this. And she sees that, like, there's definitely something going on with those two. She's not happy with it. And she's trying to do the same. It doesn't work. So they're competing for his affection. Also, they know that he's building up to a show and there is going to be a casting announcement sometime down the line. Mm-hmm. So you know, everybody wants the best part of either. It's not going to be Swan Lake, because mm-hmm. he did actually mention it in the film, but I forget what ballet it was. But In the original film? Yeah, in the original film, he mentioned what his first show was. I just and it wasn't I, Swan Lake? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, forgot, I forgot what it was. I cool. wish I'd looked it up. After the class is over, Winona confronts Mila, um, and asks her well, what her problem is. And again, an argument, and then this is the first time in the film that we actually see Winona proper freak out, raise her voice. Winona else, essentially. Yes. She would own go mental. Great. Straight in Milikun's face, he's just like, "Whoa, I'm uh, staying out of that." Mm-hmm. So we then get a bit of a, a bit of a montage over the coming months of these lessons going on and how everybody's relationships are developing, and those two are still both sort of trying to impress this guy more than anybody else, and they're clearly the best two dancers. So this this montage is establishing their rival. I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then we pick up the night before the casting announcement. Okay. Okay. Both of them independently they follow Tomas to a bar. Mm-hmm. Oh. where they both arrive and then see each other and then they both go to him together and start trying to seduce him because they think that's the only thing that's left to, to set them apart. They both think that they're going to seduce him so they need to do it. And what happens is, well, they try that for the evening. It's quite awkward. We see how Winona Ryder is just losing all her dignity. <laughs> In fact, we could probably say they're both losing all their dignity but I feel like Mila Kunis has got the confidence yeah, the with it. That, yeah, we know yeah. Mila Kunis can can pull off that kind of sexy and Winona Ryder's yeah. character is more timid and she, it doesn't come naturally. Coming, so is this going to be played for laughs kind of thing? Mm. Okay, cool. So uh, what, is this comical? Uh, oh, I wouldn't say so. No. <laughs> I, would say, I would say this is more sort of... Cringe. Oh, oh, God, Winona, what are you doing? No, no. And then at one point Winona goes away to the bathroom or to get a drink or something, she comes back and, well, the two of them are snogging. Oh, no. She absolutely freaks out. She runs outside, she's crying, she runs down the street and it fades to black. It then picks up at essentially the end of a scene where Winona is in a corridor in the back of the club with him and she's just finished giving him a blowjob. Oh. Winona has all me. Yes, Winona has. And it's just like her lowest moment. We, we, we so see, can we, we, I missed something. So she saw him kissing... Tomas was kissing Mila Kunis, mm-hmm. and then we cut to another scene in which Winona is giving Tomas a blowjob. Yes. So, so how did she get rid of Mila Kunis? So we've just... 
John oh, didn't we're going to find out. Okay. No, not particularly, but just maybe Mila Kunis wasn't there or anything oh, okay. like this. So the sight of her kissing him made her so desperate that she realised she had to go one further and give him a blowjob. Essentially, okay. yes. Cool, I get it, continue. Which is something she said in the film, in, in Black Swan. By oh, the way. she did. Did you suck his cock to get the role? Oh, I see now where it's all coming from. Okay, continue. So that happens and we see her face and she is just a broken person. She's not the happy person who was dancing in the club at the start of the film. The lovely person who doesn't speak, she's very quiet and that, that's all gone completely. She's, she's been hardened. She's a changed person now after that. And then it's just a straight cut again. That's a very brief cut we see there. The next point, the announcement happens. She's the lead role of this ballet. And then we straight cut to where the ballet actually happens. We see this amazing show. We see Winona doing some incredible uh, ba- ballet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that word. The moves. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely some, yeah, more of that. As an audience, we've all seen that it's absolutely amazing. The crowd is going crazy. The curtain comes down. She looks to side stage and she sees Tomas there and she sees her boyfriend there as well. And so we see that they're both together. She's overjoyed at this point. She's just done the best thing that she's done in her life that she's been trying so hard for and she's given up so many of her morals and stuff for. Mm -hmm. And she runs towards them and we don't know who she's going to go for, who she's going to hug or whatever. And at the last moment, she goes for her boyfriend instead. Mm -hmm. And they have a bit of a hug. They then have a sort of a, a slow dance across the stage while the crowd are applauding through the close curtain. And we have a nice, clever little camera trick that sort of fades it into them just dancing in, I don't know, a club or something to a nice, happy, romantic song. Okay. So a bit of a bittersweet end there. Oh, I see. So we see she does end up with a boyfriend, but we know that it's not going to last in the next film. She's going to be this broken woman. Also, that's why you wanted the two hands left, because you wanted the Tomas and the boyfriend to look similar, so there's that doubling thing again. Yes. Okay. I wanted it to be just like, so she's... Like she's got a type or something, mm. or just like who she can. Sure, pick. and Mila Kunis, it just is cast again because it's that same thing. It she plays the she's the, the rival. She's the rival. Yeah. She's the same character, even though it's a different person. Mm. Okay, I like it. That's good. That's got layers. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting, mm. and it's almost like a repeated. Yeah, the cycle so that continues. Can, the next person will be, and it will be Mila, who's. That's one thing that I really thought of with Winona Ryder's character in Black Swan was that she just said this is going to be you like in yeah. 10 years or whatever mm-hmm. and it's just, it's like just the days. same again and again and again like has it called you little princess yet mm-hmm. just like it's always going to be the same yeah and so that's what I'd like to get across with that wow so it's, it's a prequel yeah I like it I would know a Ryder origin story yeah I like it I'm always here for that and we get to see bits of crazy Winona yes yeah. I mean there's okay. a lot more fleshing out that needs to happen now yeah. but uh, yeah that's got, oh. that's got real potential it's got some legs oh, that's yeah. good Excellent. I still am not convinced by Chris Hemsworth. And mm. you're, you're hiring Thor. I'm the same there, but I just I couldn't think of two actors who looked more alike without no, being identical. No, they do identical. look alike. No, they do look alike. But we'll have to think about that. Yeah, but maybe I, listeners listeners can send us some suggestions yeah. of actors that look alike. They don't necessarily have to be brothers. They just have to look alike. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They don't have to be blood relatives. Just actors who kind of look the same. And vaguely that age. Yeah, sure. That's good. I, I that's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool, thank you. I, I I really do feel like I I hit bang in the middle of your moods. You yeah. did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow, yours was brilliant, but wow. I thought Black Swan was dark, but that's a feel good compared to yours. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so that was that. <laughs> See, the thing, as mentioned, you're like, what, six foot seven, did you say? Yeah. And I'm five foot six. I feel like you fear me right now more than I fear you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, lo- I was like, I was, 
at my face was the face I was pulling when I was watching Black Swan. Yeah. No, she's not going to the house. No! <laughs> like, I'd be the friend in that film. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go to Nina's house. Are you crazy? <laughs> that girl's crazy. She stabbed us. No, 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 no. Stay away. <laughs> but yeah, so it was good. Okay, I liked right. it. No, yeah, I can definitely still, and I'm always happy for Winona to get work, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> get him a job. Get just keep reading. Think about it. How much Winona's last, like, starring role? In a film. Yeah. Still, film, film or, or TV, Strange really. Strange like, things she's, she's, she's quite awesome. big in, but I wouldn't say that she's the main character. Yeah. Probably not since, like, Girl Interrupted or something, mm. right? Yeah, I mean, but... In, like, a mainstream because, successful film. Yeah. It's because, you know... Yeah, she was, had had some problems. She's got problems, problems. Yeah. so... Yeah. Help her pay that mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Should we get to some listener submissions then? Unless there's any more questions about Harry's. Yeah. But no, I would like to see that. Go one. right ahead. Okay, so listener submissions. This was a good week. So once again, we had a few kind of plays on the title, kind of sequel ideas. We have Black Swan Heroes Unite. Um, <laughs> in this sequel, the Black Swan takes her rightful place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> you can see it. I mean, Natalie Portman's already technically in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So ba- mm. basically, her turning into a bird was her, her, her X Men power. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, so she's the black swan. Yeah. I like it, so mm-hmm. talk to Mira Black Panther in some way, maybe? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, yeah, if I'm in danger, I want Black Swan to come help. Yeah. Pitch Black Swan. It's uh, set in the Chronicles of Riddick universe. Okay. Oh, yeah. Meet Joe Black Swan. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, that was Ollie uh, Brady came up with that one. Oh Meet Joe Black Swan. Deaf takes a holiday, but decides he wants more than just a change of location. He wants a new career, and he's not going to stop till he gets it. I like it. Have you seen Meet Joe Black? Yeah, yeah. So you know, that, yeah, he, that's Brad Pitt plays deaf. So. Yeah. Dennis Fanning suggested Lego Black Swan. Ooh, that'd be dark and twisted. That'd yeah. be. That'd be really good. That's a good Lego movie shout. No, not yes. for children. Yeah. <laughs> not for little Beatrice. No, not for little Beatrice, exactly. Ooh, bringing her back. Okay. Claire McCallan at ManicPixie88 has gone for something quite um, quite out there, I'd say. But I like it. Hers is called Black Fong. And uh, she says, you think ballet is competitive? Clearly you've never had to share a washing machine with two other ambitious garments. So I t- this story is a tale of two thongs. One white, one black. Who wins? No telling, but put it this way: there's also a red sock in the mix. Two thongs. Two thongs, as in women's underwear. Yeah. I thought when she said two, like black thong, I thought, oh gosh, it's going to be like on the pole or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's literally like a Toy Story thing, a Pixar oh. thing. It's like a, a, a black and a white thong in a washing machine. I apologize. Yeah, well, I mean, apologize who, who, who it went to somewhere else. Wow. So that was uh, that was quite something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blokebusters. Their idea at Blokebusters. There's this rainbow swan. Uh, it's a story about a boy trying to come to terms with wanting to do ballet and the stigma surrounding that and shit, that's Billy Elliot's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm glad they said it. <laughs> yeah. uh, media Realness, at Media Realness, uh, there's this Grey Swan and it's the same movie but seen from the point of view of all the other members of the cast who just see her just being totally crazy and making out of herself and behaving like... <laughs> She's making out of yeah. Now that is a yeah. film I'd watch. So I think that, this is a film like starring your character, like the best friend. Like, well, I think it's supposed to be like the, you know, the, the male dancer who is doesn't really have many lines. Like, he's just what he's like. What the hell? Like, he's, this girl is What's crazy. Wrong? Oh, that's crazy, Nina. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Miller at best. Mark Miller. There's no title, but the sequel is set twenty years later. Nina has gained about thirty pounds, and she's running a dance studio for toddlers in Long Island. She's crazy as ever and still competing with her inner demons, who also run dance. 
with her inner demon who also runs a dance studio in the same town. Uh, so I don't know if that means it's a split personality or if the inner demon is Lily, but uh, they each have the same students with, who also have split personalities. So I, I guess she's like training the next generation of messed up kids, basically. So dark. That sounds cheery. Mm, yeah, that's that's definitely for my side of things. Yeah. <laughs> BS Pod PHX. I don't know what that stands for. Purple Swan, a down on her look ballet dancer, has an obsession with all things Prince, and begins to <laughs> and begins to believe that she is in fact him. The movie ends with her performing a ballet version of Purple Rain. That sounds like a Coen Brothers film. Yeah, it does. That sounds great. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, Cinema Recall, at Cinema Recall, just suggests a, a true fact that uh, Black Swan and The Wrestler, another Darren Aronofsky film we didn't talk about, they are supposed to be mirrors of each other because they both have very similar storylines when you think about it. Yeah. Have you seen The Wrestler? No, nope. I've not seen it. I would no, well, it's, it's the same thing. It's like set in this, you know, that's wrestling with Mickey Rourke. This is ballet with Nasty Pong. But it's, they're both these very insular worlds, basically. And the idea is that the, what you have to give your entire life to attain that physical yeah. stamina. So Cinema Recall suggests that the sequel takes place in the same universe. Maybe they cross paths somewhere. Yeah. Makes sense. Oh. Oh. It they become yeah. buddies. Maybe, yeah. Unlikely buddies, yeah. And uh, finally, False Starts Pod, at False Starts Pod, Black Swan 2. It was all real. She definitely was turning into a swan. <laughs> the movie is just two hours of swans swimming on a lake. Like those really slow Norwegian TV shows about open fires and stuff. So it's just literally just, just swelling around. And the winner is... I think that's, yeah. Nice. I think that might be the best one. Yeah. So thank you guys. They were all really, really good. That's less distressing yeah. than uh, the original. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so if you have a sequel idea for Black Swan or for any movies we've done in the past or if you have any suggestions for movies you'd like to hear us do in the future please get in touch we are Beyond the Box Set you can find us on beyondtheboxset.com or you can find our podcast on all good podcasting platforms including iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify and also if you'd like to get in touch with us you can find us on most forms of social media including Facebook, Twitter and Instagram just search Beyond the Box Set on any of those formats and get in touch we'd love to hear from you uh, if you really like the show hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday morning and leave us a review because it really helps us to find new listeners. Uh, and Ollie, thank you very much for joining us this week. It's been thank an absolute pleasure. Me. Yeah, it's is there anything you'd like to plug? No, no. I just realised, like, because when I hear these podcasts, like, oh, you can find me, you really can't find me. No. Um, but uh, I, I can give you his number. <laughs> oh, what's <laughs> your? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, seven. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Um, no, there's nothing I'd like to plug, but I'd like to come back. Sure. You're very welcome. I've Always got, welcome. I've got many ideas. Cool. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. We'll definitely be back at some point. It's been, yeah, it's been great. You've definitely done us proud. <laughs> and we're sorry if... Well, I'm sorry, personally. I'd like to personally apologise. Do not be sorry. For um, traumatising you. No, anyway. that was brilliant. I was like, wow. Wow, you went there. Cool. You went all the way there, so thanks. <laughs> cool. So next week, next week is it a special? Everybody, one? it is our fiftieth episode, the big five zero. Can't believe we made it this far. We're middle aged, Harry. <sighs> well, one of us is. <gasps> wow. <laughs> it's our fiftieth and last episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's our farewell episode of the other box set. So for our fiftieth episode, I wanted to do something a little bit special, which is a film which is quite close to my heart and always has been. And it is Forrest Gump. That's because oh. Harry's slow. Oh. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> you, you started it. You started yeah. it. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Crikey. Yes. <laughs> You're right there. <laughs> wow. Carry on. This is how it goes. This is our, this is our <laughs> dynamic. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Every week. Shots fired. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Forrest Gump next week. It's going to be a good one. 
We hope. Yeah. I imagine if it was our worst ever episode. Just, oh dear. What a disappointing 50th. Yeah. We yeah, it'd be, it'd be worth tuning in for. Probably. We hope. We hope. They're so, all worth tuning in for. That, that, that's my sales pitch. Cool. Good. Mm. Strong. Strong words. Thank you. So, yeah, tune in next week for episode 50, Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. And uh, until then, it's goodbye from us. And uh, goodbye, <laughs> Ollie. Thanks again. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Yeah, okay. thanks. Bye. Right. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye.